Hello and welcome to episode 819 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Thursday, June 18th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I am joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning. Good morning. I feel like we're going to have baseball. You know, I keep going back and forth on this. This is the most abusive relationship I've ever been in, and that's saying anything I if mean, you've ever followed my wife on Twitter. <laughs> but, like, for real, the, the, the back and forth of it is 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 pretty crazy and and you know i've said it, we've said it a million times we talk about this every episode you and i've been on the negative side i think with good reason even now even after yesterday stuff you're not tricking me into get, coming all the way over there was some encouraging news i can't deny what's in front of us let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's come through here and uh you let me know what you think about this so the terms for a 60-game season with the prorated pay that the players are looking for, that also includes expanded postseason for, I believe, the next two years, the NLDH also for the next two years, and then an interesting thing, because the owners are so greedy and so worried that they're not going to make money, that they want to sell ads on the uniforms for Ooh, the Oh, I hadn't seen years. that. Yeah, so they've got they've got this thing. And I am framing it like that. I will say at the same time, I don't care. I'm not somebody who is going to lose their mind at the sanctity of the uniform. Um, it doesn't really bother me. We see so many other leagues. I mean, we've seen basketball really get into it. But um, foreign uh, foreign to us, uh, leagues have done it forever. I mean, the English Premier League is like run off of it. Uh, we've seen it in NASCAR's other baseball leagues in Asia. Covered, NASCAR, yeah. obviously, that was, I mean, that's that's one of the things they're known for. If you don't know anything about NASCAR, you, you tell somebody, like, you know, know who NASCAR? drives the Viagra car. Yeah, they go fast and they all, and they're covered in ads. Like, that's, you know, and, and so it's not something that is going to inherently be unsuccessful. I know the baseball purists will cry. Um, and like I said, I took that jab at the owners, which I stand by, but I will say at the same time, this that doesn't really bother me if they want to put an ad or two, even on the beloved Yankees uniform. Don't want to hear people crying about it. So what do we think about all this? Is is this the one to get it done, Justin? Yeah, I think this is the ver some version of this the framework. Yeah, yeah, is is gonna get done. Uh, I mean, we we there were original reports yesterday that like it was done. Uh, and yeah, then the players' well, union was all like, "Yeah, no, it, it's not done." They're like, "Psych, uh, relax." Yeah, so I, I do think this is what gets it done. Uh, I think that the fact the owners have come, you know, down and 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 agreed to play, you know, the the prorated, you know, salaries, uh, you know, per game on a per game basis, um, and that the the players are, are giving concessions. Uh, uh, as well, I think this will get figured out. Uh, but I'm also like I'm ready to be heard again to see a lion from the office. Yeah. So no, I, I I I can't even get I can't even get you know that super excited yet until it's stamped and they say we're starting on this day. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep. Uh, you know, keep it at arm's length, but I am encouraged by this. There is some, uh, there, there is some movement here that looks strong. Uh, any of these terms that, that I outlined bother you? Or how do you feel about the, the jerseys, the uniform advertisements? I mean, I, 
Like, I, I don't care, really. Have I, you seen I, the NBAs? No. Like, I I, I don't watch like the, the, the NBA enough to, to notice that kind of thing. I, I remember, like, it can't be more than two years. They got a little one on, like, the um, – if you're looking at the jersey, you know, the player standing in front of you in the upper right, so on their upper left. And a lot of teams have them. In fact, maybe every team. And it's like, who cares? You know, yeah. um, the Lakers have Wish, that, that Wish.com. And, again, it just doesn't bother me. And I, I think baseball would have something similar where it starts pretty small. I don't – you know, everyone's going to say, oh, they're going to turn into NASCAR. I doubt it. Do you think it'll be like, you know, the big C on the Cubs hat that, but in like little lettering next to it, it says Cialis? Yes, yes, yes. You put the I-A-L-I-S in the, in the C there. So it just kind of blends in perfectly. No, it'll be great. It'll be great. Everyone, everyone will love it. <laughs> no, again, like, I think it'll be pretty unobtrusive. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, if that's the biggest thing you're worried about, and and I haven't seen people like that, so I'm not I'm not trying to create some no. sort of strong. No, people are more back. upset about the DH being done, or, or the, oh, that's the pitchers hilarious. pitchers hitting being done because it's I, this this will completely end pitchers hitting uh, for the rest of time. So I'd rather hear them cry about ads. Damn. Yeah, that that. Like, oh, and people are really pissed about the expanded playoffs. They feel like too many teams are going to be in you know uh, in, in the playoffs. It dilutes the purpose of a long season um not so much for for this year but for next year but only one of the seasons would have that so i mean people are gonna cry that this is an illegitimate season because it's not enough games and sure you know like and we had this discussion like in my uh staff chat over at friends fantasy benefits i was like do you even remember who won the world series in what is it, nineteen seventy four, whatever it was, the the the, the strike shortened season um, that didn't have the World Series canceled like it did in ninety four, um, and like people were like, I don't, uh, there was one in eighty one too. Yeah, I mean it just, like, and it was the Dodgers, and I've never heard it shaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've the, never heard it said that because that history have, forgets that th- kind of thing. Yeah, the, the I don't feel like you know some basketball nerds might go at the Spurs for their for theirs. Um, when they're when they're counting all their things, but I don't really hear it that often. They just say the Spurs have X titles. They don't say X minus one titles with the one asterisk. And I don't know how many they have, like four or five. Well, the um, Heat the Heat won a championship in a shortened season. Yeah, like and so like like no no, but people don't remember that. Like it's just yeah. and like that was recent. That was like you know two thousand and two or something like that. Like well, it, well, there was an eleven lockout, I think. Oh, that maybe yeah, maybe it was two thousand eleven. Yeah, like I don't even remember what year it is, and I'm talking about it. Yeah, so like, who cares as far as that goes? Um, I, I want to get baseball going. I'm not worried about asterisking the uh, the the title for whoever wins it. That is interesting that that the following year would have the expanded playoffs. Because then there could be some inertia there where it just sticks, and I guess that's what people are worried about. But let's at least see what it's like. I like the playoffs as is, but I'm not going to lose my mind at, at at playoffs changing. If that's something that can get us down the path of obviously getting 2020 baseball, but also maybe um, laying down some, some groundwork for peace in 21, as they're going to have to bargain the whole CBA out, okay, let's go. Because I don't want this i don't want this bullshit again after 21 
because well, it's a full-scale CBA redo. I, I'm totally down for expanded playoffs. I don't know if 16 teams is the way to go long-term, but the more teams that are in the playoff race means less teams that are going to sell the entire farm. Not, not as much um, um, haves and have-nots the way we've seen yeah. in, in recent years. And the second wild card was supposed to do that, and I think it's effectively done that, I will say. I think that there are teams, you know, look at your Giants. Now, you could you could say that's a negative aspect of it because they didn't sell when they probably should have. But the, but they really kind of owed it to those guys who had had that that, you know, big. What was it? 30 and uh, 31 and 19 run over a 50 game span there right around the deadline. They owed it to them to kind of run it out. They sold a few bullpen pieces and, and, it, and it didn't end up uh, working. But there are a lot. We see it a lot that teams are much more in it, and we have seen a big haves have nots. I don't think that this is the new baseball, though. I think we're just in an area where a lot of teams are rebuilding, and it makes sense for them to bottom out. We'll get to another period where it's not as much have have nots, where that where it's more congealed toward the middle. I mean, you look at some of these rebuilds; they're really starting to take shape and be good. And I don't think that the the teams at the top are necessarily coming down. So that's going to bring everyone more toward the middle. So I'm not so worried about that. Um, and I'm eager to see how an expanded playoff plays out. But again, I can, I can buckle there and say, I'll, I'll, I'll push on that and, and let expanded playoffs come too, as long as we can get some, some labor uh, rest here as we move forward. So that's what I'm hoping for. So let's put a percentage on it. What, what do you think the chances are that we have something locked and loaded uh, as far as a date, in the next, by the by, the time we talk on Tuesday, eighty percent. Oh wow, super, super, yeah. super eager, man! You don't learn, huh? No, I really 13. don't. No. Um, <laughs> I, I'll say, I'll say, sixty-nine. I was going to say that, but I'm not quite that high. I'll say fifty-three percent. I'm I'm over the halfway mark. I I, I, f- I feel I feel better. I'm coming from like the teens and single digits though too. So keep that in mind that 53 is a big jump and it's also an arbitrary number that makes no sense and doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping we get it. Anything else on, on labor before we talk uh, about some players? Nope. All right. Get the job done guys. Let's get some baseball going. Now let's talk about some 2020 buybacks here. And uh, I've been looking at some ADP and, you know, we've been trying to talk about players in, in different ways, and, and a lot of it is, you know, you're going to buy this rising star and, and this guy coming up this season. And we've done, probably done some iteration of this in the offseason. Um, but I went and looked at, at a group of guys that are being drafted pretty low based on their 19, but had a strong 18 that if they came back to, uh, uh, you know, much higher than their ADP in 2020 – no one would necessarily be surprised, and yet I understand why their draft stock is low. So they're reasonable bargains for um, for for good purpose. I wonder if you're going to buy back in on some of these guys. Let's start with Lorenzo Cain, and this is since um, this is the online championships since April 1st. That's been kind of our default lately, and that encompasses how many drafts here? It's loading. That encompasses. 974 drafts. That's a lot. I didn't realize they had that many. Yeah. That can't be right, can it? I mean, there was a... 974. No, that's 61 OCs. Sorry, I had it on all. 
That was on all drafts. Okay, 61 OCs since then. That was on all drafts. Um, but still, so 61 drafts is a good sample here. Let's talk about Lorenzo Cain. Because he runs, he was still able to put up some reasonable numbers. Like, you know, it wasn't a complete zero last year. I think he had 18 steals. Um, but back in 18, he went 10 and 30 with 90 runs and a 308 average. So Kane, I know he was kind of laboring through some through some stuff last year. I believe I believe he even missed some time, but he was definitely playing through some stuff. Um, only went 11 and 18 with a 260. So that's not so bad, but when he's not stealing 25 plus, it really does undercut his potential fantasy value. And he only scored 75 runs, and this was all while playing virtually the same amount of time: 620 plate appearances and 18, 623 last year. Lorenzo Cain's going to be 34. He's a little bit young on the baseball landscape because he started later, but he's also dealt with injuries throughout his career because he plays brilliant defense, which means he's kind of all out uh, out there. The highest he's got as far as a projection is 19 stolen bases. Are you buying a Lorenzo Cain at 174 with an expectation that he can drastically beat this ADP? Um, I don't know if he's going to drastically beat the ADP from a stolen bases perspective, uh, for me, I'm less concerned if, if he gets back to 25 to 30 stolen bases, though, obviously, um, I would love him to get back to that kind of rate. Uh, mm-hmm. to me, it's more of a matter of will he average bounce back? Yeah, because it was down from 308 to 260. And I think it will. And yeah, you can throw away a few stolen bases if he's still hitting 290 plus. Uh, you know, you, you slap a two two eighty five average even on last season, and it does a world of of good to uh, saving Lorenzo Cain's value. So you think that that's where he's going to go is is the average rebound, but still be kind of a light double double, twelve homers eh, pace, of course. You know, we're talking full season, pace it down to sixty games, but like twelve homers, seventeen to nineteen stolen bases. That's what you're thinking. Yeah, but, but and more on score. I mean, I, I think he's like probably two eighty. 285 uh and i think uh uh you know he'll he'll score a lot of runs on top of that uh that brewers lineup i i you would pay 174 yeah i just think that that is uh a a really nice discount for a guy who had been kind of a top 100 uh draft pick now i mean obviously there are guys going in his area i I was just about to say you're never getting him though because i'm looking here Mm -hmm. malik smith your favorite player ever J.D. Davis, Willie Calhoun, and Brian Reynolds are all squinched around Kane. You're never touching him. But you would if those guys weren't available, you're saying. Yeah, especially if I needed stolen bases or and batting average. Because, I mean, you can you can take Malik Smith and he's going to get you a ton of stolen bases. But, like, is he going to hurt your average? So if I'm hurting yes. for average and stolen bases, I think Kane is one of those guys that I'll definitely target. I mean, a max pick of 204 means that... You know, he has dropped even more in, in, you know, some drafts. I think he's just the kind of old, unsexy guy that people yep. kind of ignore. Um, and it's definitely... an def- old, unsexy guy, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is kind of, you know, in some ways the best of both worlds in, you know, when you're talking about a guy like Malik Smith or a guy like Brian Reynolds. Like, he can deliver the Brian Reynolds batting average, but the Malik Smith speed. 
You're right. Um, he kind of does pluck fr- from from both camps there and, and put it together. Lorenzo Cain does, and at the top of a strong lineup, so mm-hmm. those runs could really while, while still giving double digit home runs. Like it's yeah. not a zero, not an empty power bat either. So we could definitely buy him. Um, I share uh, an affinity for several of those guys that I named, except Malik Smith because he's the worst. You're the worst. Uh, so I, I'm with you that I'm not necessarily drafting Cain, but it's more bec- because of guys that are available. But I could definitely have him on the list there and say, oh, well, you know, I got Calhoun here. And then the next round later, Kane was still available. So I came back and got him as well. So we like Lorenzo Kane at 174 because you can also often get him cheaper. That's a good point about where his max pick is that um, I will say in, in the last OC I did, he was available when I picked it 168 and 169 at the turn. And I did not take him. <laughs> Who'd you take? I took Chris Davis and Ryan McMahon. I like both of those. That's Chris with a K, right? I almost mm-hmm. put him on here, but we had just talked about him two episodes ago. Um, and, and we highlighted how injury, it was a clear injury when he was playing in Pittsburgh in the field for Chris Davis. It sunk the rest of his season. And if you believe that he can stay healthy for the 60-game run, then you should be liking him at, frankly, loving him at his price because he's come down so much. So I, I, I like that on Chris Davis and Ryan McMahon. Um, I bought in on last year. I'll probably buy in on again this year, but let's talk about that's a good segue inadvertently there, or maybe on purpose. I don't want to say that you didn't do it on purpose, but let's talk about Daniel Murphy, who is uh, over there fighting McMahon at both of those positions that he plays first and second. And Murphy going to Colorado, one of the best, you know, just pure hitters, that, that we've had over the last uh, several years now, upwards of a decade of, of performance, actually not quite, uh, from about 11 to 18. Just batting average is the one thing that you know you're going to get. He'll add power, uh, usually solid runs or ribbies or both in a few years. Just a lot of good coming out of Daniel Murphy. So he's going to go to Colorado. This is going to be even better. Dude's going to hit 340 again, the way he did back in 2016. Or he's going to hit 279 and be the most bland player there was 13 homers 78 ribs 56 runs 279 average as i mentioned down from 299 the year before with 12 homers in 91 games so he played he played 40 more games and only got one extra homer uh so that that was again playing in colorado we know it's health right that's the that's the thing that you have to worry about about a 35 year old daniel murphy but is a 264 ADP enough for you to say, you know what, I'll see what I can get. Because if I can get 50 of the 60 games played out of Murphy, um, half of which are in Colorado, I'll take that. Where where do you stand on that with regards to Daniel Murphy bouncing back from, uh, from 19's mediocre year? I mean, uh, outside of the fact that you mentioned, you know, his injury history and the fact that he's 35 – like, the people going around him are just problematic for me. Like, it's just, like, okay, you need the batting average because that's the one thing Daniel Murphy is going to give you. Luis Arise is right there, and he's multi-positional eligible. Yeah. yeah. You know, eligible at second base and the outfield. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with him. And I mean, I don't even like him that much. And, like, I'm like, yeah, I'd much rather I have, you know, drafted Arise a few times, so... Uh, You're going to say another guy that I love that's right by him, too, I bet. I mean, I'm assuming Shogo Akiyama or, yep. or Ian Happ, like two guys. Both. Or, like, if you look a little bit earlier, like, I'd much rather have John Birdie. Like, because he can be transcendent speed, possibly. Yeah, like, 
it's just like don't get me wrong like the batting at like if you're really hurting for batting average maybe it's like one of those things where you double tap on murphy in arise or 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 murphy in akiyama um you know but even like you start going later and you go well is is murphy that much better uh than like a cesar hernandez yeah i yeah. don't think he is and no, I, I hear you especially in a season that's short these guys who deal with these constant or nagging injuries like if he if for some reason like like you put him in your lineup and then all of a sudden you know an injury pops up on you know tuesday like that week is huge when we're talking about like a 10 week season Exactly. That that's the thing too. And one thing that I've been a little bit concerned about uh, with regards to analyzing for these for this shortened season is this weird notion that the injury risk guys don't have any risk. Uh, it, I don't understand that. They still carry risk. Just because the season's shortened, guys don't always get hurt in July, like like it's you the, know four months into a season. Like it's the I understand. Same. It's the same silly rationale of the whole. Well, I'm going to take the streaky guys because if they get hot, I win yes. the league. Well, what if they the, go the complete opposite? Yeah, way. like you, you, you're going to take a zero in your lineup because Joey Gallo uh, decides that you know in the shortened season he wants to hit two ten. Yeah, he could hit one eleven mm-hmm. for the first three weeks. Like it works both ways, and I've heard it so much pushed about like take all these volatile guys, take these injury risk guys. As if they can't get hurt or as if the volatility can't get them. Yes, the the, the streaky guys could pop, you know, mm-hmm. a 400 average for the first 15 games of the season and really pad their, their stats. It can go the other way, too, though. And I, I agree with you on somebody like Murphy who always seems to be dealing with something. That could just be a hassle that you don't want to deal with. And Arise is a great one to mention. Cesar Hernandez was an even better one. And plus, Murphy's only first base eligible, mm-hmm. so you're really putting him at corner or util. Corner's kind of deep because of third base's depth. So, in the end, even more so than Kane, I think the players around him are making me not take Murphy, and I'm not even that interested in him the way I w- am in Kane if those guys go. I can mm-hmm. find enough guys that I just, I like taking Colorado guys, I was in on Murphy quite a bit last year, but I think I'm kind of backing off this year, and uh, I'm I'm going to end up taking others. And if it pops, then I'll say, hey, I, I see how that could have happened. That doesn't surprise me, but I couldn't I couldn't really get in. That's why I'm not really getting into Murphy. Learn from my mistake last year in in the main <laughs> event, which was it wasn't the fact that I drafted you know injured guys. I drafted too many. If you want to take a shot on Daniel Murphy, great. But that means you can't take a shot on Giancarlo Stanton. Like, that means you can't take a shot on, you know, some of these other bounce-back guys. You know, you want to draft Joey Gallo. You want to draft, you know, some of these guys that have these, you know, real, you know, uh, chances to pop or just be, you know, deflated balloon. Great. But you can only take one. Like, you can't take Joey Gallo and then go take Byron Buxton and then go take... Uh, you know, Miguel Sano is a really bad example right now, but you know, a Miguel Sano like player and go, okay, if all three of these guys hit, I'm winning my league. Yeah. The chances of that happen happening is like zero. Exactly. Um, and, and just some weird dreaming right now, uh, with people on these, um, on these volatile players thinking that if they stack a bunch, their team's going to hit 400 for five weeks, but 
it, it, it can go either way. And uh, I didn't bring up the Miguel Sano thing with regards to the uh, accusations of kidnapping mm-hmm. because it's it's still very much pending. Uh, you know, he's claiming he's black, he's being blackmailed. So I kind of wanted to let that one play out. That's why I didn't bring it up. I'm not I'm not ignoring it for any reason other than there's not enough detail for us to make any actionable statements on it, just for those who are like, what are you talking uh, yeah, about? Agreed. I will say, even though we're not making any comments, I'm going to make a comment. Um, like, I, like, I hope this isn't true, obviously. And Sano is a player yeah. I've really, really liked uh, from a player perspective. But, like, this is the third, like, real crazy and... Super massive uh, thing. Yeah, thing. And at some point, do we start going... Okay, maybe the you know maybe this one isn't true, but like this is now a pattern. So yeah, how, how how are you constantly getting caught up in in things like this? Yeah, um, with you know uh, sexual assault allegations, running over a police officer, running somebody over. Like, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. There's definitely at, at the whole like, okay, you know, I'm I'm gonna let it play out. I'm I'm not throwing them uh, throwing the book at him right now but i want i want to see what's up here because mm-hmm. it is becoming a bit a bit of an issue uh with miguel sano so we'll, we'll obviously cover that once there's some full details there but, but uh, we kind of covered the the story on murphy let's talk about our fan favorite here, <laughs> our boy matt carpenter <laughs> the disastrous 18 when uh when we told everyone to sell on him and his back was bulky you don't want to be in on that and he went off and put up like an mvp caliber four-month tear to wind up with 36 homers, 81 ribs, 111 runs, uh, 257 average. Average has never really been his main thing. Um, but there was so much goodness elsewhere that the batting average he didn't even care about. But then we were, it looks like we were a year early because he mm-hmm. labored through an injury-riddled season last year, playing 129 games. Carpenter hit 15 homers, 46 ribbies, 90, uh, excuse me, 59 runs, and a 226 average. Well, now he's down here at a 352 OB, uh, OBP, at a 352 ADP. People are saying, you know what? Spore and Mason were right. It only took a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want Matt I'm Carpenter. I'm sure that's what they were saying, yeah. That's the first thing that they were saying. Is like, Those guys are right. We're going to follow up with them and tell them, hey, you guys are right, and you're awesome. <laughs> no, we were so wrong. It was hilarious. Uh, but he was so bad last year, and he's all, he's dealt with injuries quite a bit as well. Actually, very similar to uh, Murphy in terms of that profile. Is Carpenter someone you could buy back in on? He's going to be 33. So he's actually a couple of years younger than than Murphy, but he has kind of that old player body already. What do you think about Carp at a uh, at a 351 ADP? We can get into who's around him in a moment, but what do you just think about him being that late? Is that a lottery ticket that you're willing to go on for Carpenter? I mean, it's the price is so cheap. I want to say yes at the same time. Like, isn't he like Daniel Murphy without the pa- or without the average? Like, yeah. like, like we don't think he's gonna bounce back to like his two, you know, seventy batting average. Just even that good. Yeah, and so like we're talking about a guy that I mean, all the projection systems have him at like twenty twenty one home runs, and that's like pretty much what Daniel Murphy was. But they all have him at like a two thirty five to two forty batting. <laughs> and like i don't want that on my team like if i'm gonna take a guy with a 230 batting average he better be hitting me 30 you know plus home runs or 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 being a double double kind of guy yeah you're buying the counting Mm -hmm. categories of the power and speed 
like it's hard because like the DH coming to the National League really helps him out. You know, hopefully can help nice. him stay healthy uh, and keep him in the lineup every day. At the same time, like I just don't, I just don't believe that. Like the, the Statcast numbers are not pretty, and I just don't believe it. So it just, I'm staying away. Yeah, I just. Um... On on its face, I'm I'm just not that interested in Matt Carpenter, despite like you said that the DH is the one thing that really stands out. Is like, oh, okay, you can get off you can get off the field, um, open up a spot for somebody else. You know, bring Edmund back onto the field, and then put Tyler O'Neill out there for people who like Tyler O'Neill. A lot of different things that they can do um, if there's a DH there. I think your point about the batting average, though, it's like, what are we really buying then? Um, you know, a handful of homers and, and some decent runs because they'll be in the top third of the order. Okay. I mean, he's cheap enough that if you like Carpenter, go for it. But nah, I'm not – I'm just not that interested. So I, I feel you on that. And then getting into the folks that are, are going around him, would you rather have Matt Carpenter or Howie Kendrick? Kendrick. For, what about versus Jesus Aguilar? Aguilar. Mike Talkman. Talkman for sure. What about Hunter Alberto? Um, After his big batting average last year. Probably Alberto. Just because I can just kind of stream him in and out against lefties. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And there's... um, Let me see here. There are... There are... Um, 11 lefty starters in the AL East. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Means is on his team, so that one doesn't count. I think Wade LeBlanc is too, right? Is he mm-hmm. on? Yeah. Okay, so two, so two of them don't count there. But still, nine, nine starters uh, who are lefties in the uh, in the AL East. I'm, but like Robinson Cano, like give me Robinson Cano every day. He's going to be hitting fourth in that in that Mets lineup. You know, going to hit every day. They have the DH two now, so you can get days off, but still hit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Cedric Mullins has got upside going, you know, go Justin Smoke, you know. Eric I, Thames. Yeah. I, yeah, there's just too many guys. Yeah, that, Thames could be that guy whose batting average isn't great but is crushing on a 35-homer pace. Franchi Cordero's that, down there. Victor Reyes down there. I mean, just a Jorge Mateo. It, a, like, I mean, just, yeah, I mean – it's more of a lottery ticket area, and I, I, I don't know, you know, comparing it to, like, scratch-off lottery tickets, Carpenter feels like that that $1 one where you're really only thinking that you could get, like, $5 uh, if, if you win on it, as opposed to those giant scratchers that are, like, $25, but but when you hit, you're hitting, you're hitting big. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. We're pretty tepid on Matt Carpenter. It doesn't relate to uh, 2018. Like, I... I don't care, you know, that we were spectacularly wrong on him there. But this this is why we were off of him at that point, because of the health, and we saw what what could happen. It didn't happen until 19, but th- there it is. That that was our issue with Matt Carpenter, and I'm just not really trying to buy back in this year. Um, and I could see him actually being on the waiver wire in, in some 10 and 12 team leagues. And then I'll keep an eye on him in that case, but I'm not drafting him. This next guy isn't even being drafted. He's a little bit similar. This actually fits what I was saying or what you were bringing up about how you don't want to buy a poor batting average unless there's power speed counting categories. That's Brian Dozier. 
Um, not overwhelming speed, especially last year, but go go back to 18. He went 21 and 12 with a 215 average. It was really tough. Um, he, he hit 20 homers last year, but only three stolen bases, 238 average. The only reason I put him on here is because he's being undrafted in 12 teamers, and he's that kind of veteran guy who, you know, is going to be 33, doesn't have a, a guaranteed role in, in San Diego, but say Profar was terrible or or got hurt. If Dozier went off, would you really be that surprised? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, and here's that you can't draft him. Like no, no, no. And I'm saying he's not being drafted. Yeah. So this is more about what you think of him as you know a top waiver watch list sort of guy. Yeah, I think he's definitely. Yeah, I, I I'm not watching him as much as I'm watching Profar. Because, you know, they're obviously going to give... They, they traded for Profar. They're going to give him the first shot. But if he stinks in early on... And, I mean, we've talked a lot about how, you know, as fantasy owners, we're going to have to have tri- uh, quick trigger fingers. Oh, God, yes. Um, You know, in case, you know, a guy, you know, that, you know, isn't like a first, you know, five or, you know, ten round pick is, you know, struggling out of the gate. Like, you're going to have to be able to just, you know, move on in, you know, a week or two. Uh, MLB teams are going to do the same thing. Like if Profar is, you know, struggling out of the gate, like he's just not going to play. Uh, and you know, and so like if Profar is struggling, even if, if Dozier hasn't really gotten into a ton of games, like I'm going to go and just maybe grab him just on, you know, the chance that, uh, he could They'll turn to him. Yeah. I mean, he's a veteran presence. You know how much. MLB teams love the veteran presence. Um, Didn't they let Kinsler get some playing time last year? Yeah. Well, I mean, he so, started the year too. I, you know, because they didn't want to bring up uh, Urias and uh, start oh, yeah, his clock. Right, right. So, um, I mean, on the flip side, uh, like the the Statcast numbers are not good for him. <laughs> no, it, it was it was a dreadful season. Like I said, the, he he's definitely a cut below the other guys because he wasn't even that good in eighteen. I mean, he, but, he's 36 percentile in exit velocity, 30 percentile in hard hit percentage, 37 percent in barrel percentage, 17 percentile in in uh, x batting average. Like it's it's an ugly, ugly Statcast profile. I mean, honestly, I'm probably not going to even worry about Brian Dozier for the most part, unless he does get playing time and starts, you know, hitting. Um, yeah. But. Uh, you know, because they're just guys that are going late that I feel have just tremendous upside. But um, Dozier is one of those guys that would it surprise me if he bounces back, especially with his plate discipline? I mean, this is a guy who still walks at a double digit rate. I mean, he had a career high twenty or twelve point seven percent walk rate last year, and his twenty one or twenty two percent strikeout rate. Well, that was the highest of his career. That's that's nothing in this day and age. So exactly, and you're getting at why I even deigned to bring him up here was because there is still some upside. I know we, we, we equate upside with youth, but sometimes a veteran does just don't forget you deeper league folks. That, 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 this one's for y'all. Um, because you know, if you aren't a 15 team plus, that's when he starts to get back on the draft radar, if 10 and 12, don't even bother drafting Dozier, but I think at least consider him as somebody to put on the top of your watch list there. That's all I'm getting at with the Dozier thing. I think because I'm, I've been burned enough by Profar that I'm, that I'm tapping the brakes a little bit because I've been on the Profar train more or less from day one. 
So I'm very accustomed to how well it's not going with him. So, all right, let's move over to some pitchers. And let's start with, who did I put first here? Oh, Craig Kimbrell. Did you, well, here, I don't know if you know these numbers. Do you know what Craig Kimbrell did in 2018? Uh, oh, in 2018? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the best closers in baseball. I, I For some reason, I, his, he was so bad last year. And of course, he only pitched twenty and two thirds, coming off the uh, the contract negotiation that that didn't get done before the season. So he just hung out there and only pitched a little bit for the Cubs. I forgot that he was he was pretty great in in eighteen two seventy four ERA point ninety nine WHIP. The walk rate had popped up to thirteen percent from six percent the year before. Uh, the strikeout rate dropped from fifty to thirty nine, um, and the home run rate had been a career high at 1.0. He'd never been uh, higher than 0.9, and most of the time was was a good home run suppressor. So there was some writing on the wall for Kimbrell, but nobody could have seen him being this bad. Short sample volatility paired with poor pitching left him just a dreadful 6.53 ERA, 160 whip, 31% strikeout, 12% walk, uh, 3.9 homer per night. It was a nightmare, 20 and two-thirds. 32-year-old Craig Kimbrell, Still going at 135 saves, you know, and and track record are getting him there. But that's the cheapest he's ever been. Do you have any plans to buy back on Craig Kimbrell uh, in 2020? I really hope not. I mean, I, I mean let's, you don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, but I have done it. So, I mean, I do have him on a number of teams that I've already drafted uh, in large part because I missed out on the closers I really like. Uh, in in certain drafts, and then I go, okay, well, he's going to be my number two guy, I guess, and just hope and pray for the best. And the reason I even willing to take that shot uh, is largely because that the rest of that bullpen is so atrocious. It is just so bad that while he is bad, like who's going to take that job from him? Yes, I just don't know that there is anybody on this roster that they want to turn the ninth inning over to. Uh, yep. And so, I, I, yeah, I mean, I do have him on a number of teams already, but you know, now that we're talking about, um, you know, a, a shortened season where, like, you know, a few bad outings from a pitcher, whether it be a reliever or a starter, can sink you. Oh, God, yes. And... I mean, we're talking, you know, shortened season right there. You know, typically he pitches, you know, about 60 innings. Last year he pitched 20. And look, do you want that line on your team when the rest of your team is also uh, pitching in a shortened season? A 6.53 ERA. Like, and Wait, is that not good? Yeah. And a 160 whip. Like, I don't, like, you don't want that. Dude, he had nothing last year. It was, it was tough to watch, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. Like, to see him have fallen from his perch, Kimbrel was so bad, mm-hmm. and he felt helpless out there. He looked helpless, I should say. Like it, it was tough to watch. So, yeah, I, I feel you on that. I don't want to draft him, but there is there is a little potential of the, the hate's gone too far type of thing because again, I would not be surprised if he went off. Now it hasn't gone too egregious on the average at a one thirty five. But his max is 170. You start getting Kimbrell that late in drafts, he is the lockdown, you know, the, the guaranteed guy, at least for the first, I don't know, you know, depending on how bad he was, I think he would at least get a 
three, four week leash to uh, to have the job there again, because there's who else are they going to turn to for the Cubs? But on a decent team, I could see it. You, you say you already have some shares. I think I might have one. It might have been a mock draft thing, though, to be honest. I'm not uh, completely averse to it, but but it's not. He's not just guaranteed to get back to 2018. There are flaws here. The fact that he's become more hittable and the walks have been there intermittently throughout his career. And if players are just waiting him out, making him come in the zone with something, he did lose a tick off of his fastball too. And 96 is still nothing to, you know, to sneeze at and say that it's bad. It's not so much about what the raw total is, though. It's about comparatively to where they where they live. And he's been 97, 98 throughout his career. So coming down to 96 is a difference for Kimbrell. So we're not, you and I are trying not to buy him, but we're not averse to doing it, particularly if we need saves. Is that the uh, general verdict here? Yeah, I mean, give me Gallegos, give me Bradley, both going about 20 picks uh, behind him. It's just after those two guys where it starts getting iffy. Like, do you want to roll with Mark Melanson? Do you want to roll with Sean Doolittle? Uh, Guys who obviously probably have better skills but uh the roles are a little uncertain and can you really afford yeah. in and a little health yeah yeah can you can you afford in a shortened season to roll with guys that may not get enough saves to make a difference in the category exactly and and that's a great call out there so that's where that's where we come out on Kimbrel. um so, sort of a tepid endorsement there that uh, don't let it go too far especially if you need some saves he could he could spike a great twenty innings too. Um, it could go with the complete opposite of how the twenty innings went the year before. Let's move on to the starting pitching and talk about Masahiro Tanaka, who was pretty great in twenty eighteen. Three seventy five ERA, one thirteen WHIP. Came down to four forty five, one twenty four last year. Still a pretty solid WHIP, and um, everything else was pretty paltry though. The ERA at four forty five. Home runs remained an issue. Strikeout rate dropped from twenty five to twenty. And you were just kind of like, eh, not that good. Uh, it didn't feel great to have have that composite Tanaka season. I believe he had a run at the end. If I'm if I'm remembering the trajectory of his season, started poorly and finished strong. Am I wrong on that? Yes, I am. It's the complete opposite. <laughs> I am a moron. He was great uh, for a good while into the season, carrying um, a 3.21 ERA through his first 16 starts. And then over the course of his last 15, or no, his last, yeah, last 15 starts with one relief appearance thrown in, he had a 589 ERA. So Tanaka finished poorly uh, after a strong start, has always had a home run issue. So if the rabbit ball is back again, that's concerning. How do you feel about Tanaka going at an ADP of 207? Can he bounce back? He's on a great team, so that support's going to be there. Is that enough for you to take the shot? I don't think it is. I, I, I mean, I just want other guys who are going behind him who I feel like have uh, uh, safer floors and uh, and or uh, uh, higher upsides. You know, it's just not worth the the trouble. I think um, and playing in that AL or that uh, that Beast East uh, that were you know that has been rumored that. <laughs> I, I don't want him going up against Atlanta's lineup. I don't want him going up against the Nationals lineup or the Mets lineup. I just, yeah, I, I'm I'm staying away from Tanaka. Yeah, I'm a longtime Tanaka fan, but I am with you here. Um, you talk about home runs. With home runs being the issue, that's the most concerning. And you talk about what you said earlier on how a few starts could really tank things. 
it it only takes you know two three homer games that result in like six plus earned runs each and and it's over like he, he's not recovering from that if you eat all of those uh it's trouble so I root for Tanaka. I will continue to do so, but I will not have him on very many teams because I do worry. And uh, you mentioned the Beast East as well. That's another extra concern. So I think I'm going to pass on on Tanaka, even at a, a fair price. I, I don't think the price is egregious, but I think I'm just going to look elsewhere because of the uh, the potential volatility that a home run pitcher has. Let's move over to relief again. Back to uh, back to the relief pitchers and Wade Davis. Had a disastrous 19 <laughs> as well, but not not quite like Kimbrel. Kimbrel was elite in 18, then then terrible. Davis wasn't elite in 18, but for Colorado to have a 4.13 ERA and 106 WHIP with 43 saves, you were certainly getting value out of that. You know the ERA is is tough to cover, but you knew what you were getting into drafting a Rockies closer, and uh, you can you can take a 413 the whip was still good 30 percent strikeout rate you just had to cover the era then it was a disaster last year 865 era 188 whip 15 saves you do not want those 15 saves holy crap that's so bad walk rate spiked to 14 percent strikeout rate down to 20 percent uh, excuse me home runs hits i mean he was just a nightmare through and through it's gonna be 34 i think he has a bead on the job uh, in Colorado, is no. Wade Davis? Oh, he doesn't. You don't think well, he does? No, because Wade Davis has a vesting option for uh, two thousand. Based on closing, it, it's based on games finished. So, and because uh, uh, one of the things about the shortened season is that they're also going to prorate those kind of. Uh, I was going to uh, say those have to prorate. Uh huh. Right? And so he, he he the option vests with 30 games finish in 2020. So if we're talking about you know a third of a season, we're talking about him finishing 10 games. There's no way he gets 10 saves because of that. And so like just take Wade Davis completely off your board. I did not realize that because I, I thought you know they're paying him. They're still going to give him the shot. 15 mil if he hits that. No they way do the that, yeah, no way do the Rockies let that happen. You can't pay that because he'll be 35. Oh, yeah, dude, I think. And and here's the thing, too. I, I wouldn't even put it under the form of contract manipulation or anything shady because he doesn't merit having the job in any capacity from what he did. It's, it'd be one thing if he was, like, solid but a little bumpy last year and then, um, and then had, you know, uh, and then they were going to do this to him, and you'd be like, hey, come on, man. He hadn't really shown any skills degradation, and they're just manipulating this. No, no, no. They've got full license to do it based on the issues that uh, that Davis had last year. You you raise a great point. I'm not even I'm not even touching him at a 250, 180 p because of that. I wasn't really anyway, but he was one of those guys where I'm like, don't throw him out completely. If you need saves, maybe look at it. But now that you've mentioned that, you've got me fully off. I'm I'm not I'm not a weird sentence that I said. I'm definitely not I'm definitely not drafting Wade Davis though. 100% agree with you. Good call out. So Scott Oberg is the guy for you then? I think so. Oberg was the guy that gave save chances uh yep. late in the year. Uh I, I think he's the guy that is going to step up, but I also one of these situations I'm just not going to play around with. Yeah, I rarely have any interest in Rockies closers anyway or Rockies pitchers of any sort. So that's not really going to change much there. Agree with you. Let's go back to the Yankees. Talk about Jay Happ, teammate of Tanaka. 
was really strong in 18. You might not remember that he had a 365 ERA, 113 whip in 177 and two-thirds with a 26% strikeout rate. Spiked a big new career high in strikeouts. Had a hell of a season despite his continued home run issue uh, blossoming even a little bit further with a 1-4 mark in 2018. Well, it really hit the skids in 19 when it bumped up to 1.9. He lost the strikeout gains back down to 21%, which is in line with his career marks, and subsequently put up a 491-130 ERA whip mark. Can you buy a 37-year-old J-Hap at 318 knowing that we're just a year removed from such success? Mm, I don't think I will either. I mean, the same kind of problems with Tanaka. Uh, you know, home yeah, run issues. You know, Beast East. Uh, it just, I, I don't think that the the upside warrants uh, the potential downside. Uh, and I mean, obviously more downside here than with Tanaka. Uh, and we saw that last year. So uh, one of those guys that, you know, if he bounces back, good for him. Just not going to happen on my team. Yeah, I think I agree with that that fully as far as like I could see it, but I just don't know that I'm necessarily going to go for Hap. I do just worry about the extreme volatility, again, tied to homers. I'm just echoing what I said about Tanaka because they are so similar. They're kind of a righty-lefty version of one another. They're on a great team, and they have the possibility of, of being one of those surprise guys where you're like, damn, they were they were two of the best in our little shortened season here because they suppressed homers for, you know, 65% of their starts and it really helped them. I can see the path to success. I'm probably not venturing in here. So I'm with you on half. He's very cheap. Um, and in the leagues where he doesn't get drafted in the shallower ones that I play, I'll be interested to at least keep him out on the uh, potential board of, of spot starting on so against some of the weaker teams, you know, if he gets the Orioles or something, let a Hanser Alberto get his three hits, but otherwise uh, do some damage. Um, you know, something like that for Hap, but otherwise not really trying to put him on the squad. Nor am I trying to put on this Cy Young thief, but I did want to bring up Rick Porcello because he did have a pretty good 18, relatively speaking, for, for what he is. People know him as a volume guy that you get in deeper leagues. Put up a 428-118 ERA whip combo with 17 wins. Obviously, that was a driving force behind his value in 18 with a 24% strikeout rate, like Happy, he had spiked to a new career high, came all the way back down to 19% last year, 552 ERA, 139 whip. He was not good. But he's going to the NL, which isn't as appealing anymore with the DH being there. But he's going to be on the Mets, and he's going to have a j- job because uh, Thor being out, that's opening up the door for Purcell- Porcello. He's a 344 ADP. Are you, are you taking the uh, taking the gamble here? Oh, no, I mean, Porcello is one of those guys that tends to be like, okay, I, I need a guy that is just going to be kind of a boring innings eater ratio yep. stabilizer guy. But it's now been kind of a few seasons since he's done that. And those guys are less than appealing in the shortened season. I agree. And so I just don't see, and again, still, I mean, you know, he may now be in uh, New York with the Mets, but he's still got a pitch in that beastie. So he's still going to go up against uh, the Yankees and the Rays uh, and now the Red Sox and Blue Jays. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm staying away from Porcello. Yeah, I, I I totally agree there. Like when, when you are a compiler and volume is your thing, there's it's just going to be so much harder 
to um, to leverage that. Like, like what can you really do as a volume guy uh, to to overwhelm in in a sixty game season? You can't really do it. I, I don't. I don't see it. He had let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games last year where he gave up five earned runs or more. Like that's a killer. Like that's <laughs> like that's just a killer for especially in the shortened season. <laughs> yeah. No. Enjoy your Cy Young. You deserve it. But um... shut up. No, he didn't. <laughs> Shut your dumb little mouth. Uh, did, not, did not deserve it. He absolutely stole it. Oh, oh. Breaking news. Oh, God. The MLB Players Association has finalized a proposal to MLB for a season in the neighborhood of 70 games, sources tell me, Jeff Passan, um, and Jesse Rogers. That was me being Jeff Passan. That, the me was Jeff Passan. It sounded like I said all three of us. It was Jeff Passan's tweet that I'm reading. God, I'm such an idiot. Anyway, what do you think about that? Oh, my God. I, I'm so excited. We get to talk about real stuff next week. The MLBPA's proposal is, uh, is for 70 games, sources tell ESPN, and includes a split of playoff revenues. While the league is unlikely to accept this proposal, it's close <laughs> enough. It's close enough for optimism that there will be a season, whether it's via a deal or MLB setting a shorter schedule. So basically, it's it's looking like this this might be close enough to get even if this this deal itself isn't accepted. A couple changes here, here and there, sprinkle it on, button it up, get it the frick done. If it's not a 69-game season, then they've missed out on a great opportunity, yeah. no? I mean, marketing for sure. Yeah, come yeah. on. Get yeah. it done. Um, where's your confidence now? Did it raise based on that? Uh, yeah, 169%. Oh, I love it. It's, it's, I love it. We're going to do it. We're, it's going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it is going to happen. 80, 89% sure. That this is gonna happen, which is like a B plus, and that that's a good grade for me. I'll move up to sixty nine percent just for the meme as we wrap up the show. Those are some buybacks that you can look at. We maybe we may be trending toward a season. Hopefully, when we come back on Tuesday, we are talking about the mapped out season, um, and 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 we and we're saying, hey, if you're doing redrafts or if you're doing new drafts, get these guys do this, that, and the other. Here's hoping we have a strong weekend of movement. And we can talk about ranks. Oh, that would be great. I know. And I'll get together with I'll Jason, too. I'll have something to write. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, know, I'll know what to do. I'll, I'll be like, okay, today, new rankings coming out. Like I said, I'm pretty much, unless it drops on the weekend that, it, that it's finalized, I'm pretty much ready to drop SP ranks. once we get, If we get something locked over the weekend, they're out on Monday. So um, anyway, Justin, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope it has wonderful news for us. And you and I will talk next Tuesday. Take it easy. Peace.